Welcome into another episode of Red Zone Talk. I am Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt for episode three. Tim, how you doing? Good, good. Happy to be back after all the technical errors that we've gone through recording this episode. But uh, yeah, I'm ready. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about uh, with all the coaches changes and, and Black Friday or Black Monday coming. I love, yeah, so love it. Got playoffs coming up. We're going to get to playoff predictions today. And our favorite spot is, you know, the offseason stuff. So obviously Black Monday just passed. We got a couple coaching vacancies. We got a couple top candidates that are starting to get interviews. So we're going to run through all that stuff here for you today. Uh, we do have a fan question for you today. Now, like Tim said, we had some technical difficulties. We tried to record last night. Um, you know, Mike's freezing, computer's freezing, Mike's coming unplugged. We had three shots at it last night and just didn't work out. So here we are the next morning. So uh, we obviously would start it off with trivia normally. Um, since obviously Tim knows all my questions, and it did take me a while to find those five questions. I'm going to kind of just run through these. It's like a little fun fact for everybody at home. Tim went three and two on these, which puts him at a seven and three overall. So that means next week I need to go five and oh uh, to, to try to tie the score up. I'm going to. A woeful two and three through my first week. So the the trivia questions this week that Tim answered, um, I had Devin Hester has played for four NFL teams, named two teams that aren't the Bears, which Tim aced pretty handedly. He said the Seahawks and the Falcons. The Ravens were the third team in there outside of the Bears. Didn't know uh, that oops. one. That one's interesting. Yeah, the Ravens one you didn't know. But you had, I was like, I thought you were going to be at least somewhat stumped. He was like, oh, I know he played for the Seahawks because I remember him returning the touchdown. He's like, I think he played for the Falcons too. And I was like, well, shit. So <laughs> hot start there. Um, which city did New England play their first three Super Bowls in? Which I this is a very interesting fact for me. Um, and again, kind of nailed it down pretty quick. He's like, I know it was either Atlanta or New Orleans, right? You remember playing in the Dome. Um, which what that was, what did we say? It was like 1985, 85, 96. And then oh one was the three and we didn't win any of them except the last one. Yeah, it was like Brady's first Super Bowl was the only one that you ended up winning out of the three. Uh, that answer was new Orleans. So he nailed that one pretty quick on just sometimes those 50, 50 questions are the toughest though. You're like, I know it's one of these two. And then yeah. you're just sitting there fighting between the two spots. Um, so that was a 2-0 start. My next one was, who holds the single-game record for receiving yards in Patriots history? Uh, it's actually a two-parter because the second part of this question is just name another guy in the top five. Um, which what was your first guess again? It was Dion Branch, but it was not was not Dion. And I think you had Randy Moss in there at some point. Oh, Randy Moss. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. About. yeah. So Randy Moss, and then he got Wes Welker. So we went one for one on that one, so it puts him at a – at a three three and one spot, and then the last question we had was which team had the most NFL coaches, most head coaches in NFL history, and you know this one I I found very interesting as well because you would think like your mind goes to yes it's probably a team that's super old but also like I found a website that like calculates if every single head coach had the exact same amount of time with that team about how many seasons would they have. And the Arizona Cardinals is the answer for both, which I don't remember what your guess was. You I think I guessed was. the Bears is what I think I guessed. Which I think isn't a terrible guess, but... It was the Bears or somebody somebody bad, because I used a hint. It was somebody in the NFC, and I looked at like the teams that I was like, yeah, they, they fire a lot of coaches. They struggle, yeah. So the Cardinals have been around for 99 years. I think they're the oldest NFL franchise. They've had 42 head coaches. You know, that makes sense. You're around for the longest. 
But in retrospect, the Packers have been around for just one year less. They've been around for 98 years, and they have 18 head coaches. So 42 to 18 with just one extra year is a very large discrepancy between the two franchises. So Yeah, I mean, that, that's a franchise. Like, you think about it. Like, the Steelers have only had, like, five coaches in their franchise history, something like that, some ridiculously low number. Yeah, it's um, probably it's probably up towards 15, but you got to think in the last 30 to 40 years, it's probably been three or four. Like, right. they, that's where the history kind of gets cut down a lot. Like, if Baltimore was old enough, right, obviously they've only been around since 96, but they've only had four head coaches in from 1996 to 2023. There's only been four head coaches in Baltimore Ravens history. So that's yeah. a team that has a start of, you know, when you ask this question 50 years down the road of who has the least head coaches, Baltimore might be up there barring any any super terrible rebuilds that they might have in their future. So. Yeah, there's 16. The Steelers have had 16 coaches in their entire franchise history. Yeah. So, like, that's just nuts. just nuts. They started in 46 was their first – or 1933 was their first coach. So, uh, yeah. they have a lot of guys who spend a ton of time there. Yep, 100%. Those story franchises obviously a lot easier to hang around because you're winning games, right? You're not getting fired or moving on to better jobs when you're sitting there winning, you know, 10 games a year, 12 games a year and – going for super bowls every year so yeah it, it's really made up in the last 50 years or year or so yeah since 1969 they've had three coaches chuck Knoll, bill coward and mike tomlin and, and they all have above a 500 record like yeah, that's that's, that's pretty consistent right there yeah i think the cardinals longest tenured head coach was like ken weisenhunt which was like 2012 to 2017 and he had yeah. a he had a below 500 record <laughs> yeah. in those five years that's so. crazy um, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about the Cardinals. We're going to try to see who's going to fit their head coach spot uh, later on. But our fan question this week comes from my good buddy, Kellen, one of my former coworkers from down in Wichita. Um, yes. How did the Broncos recover from all these horrible decisions? Those horrible decisions being the Russell Wilson trade, the Nathaniel Hackett hire. And I mean, anything else you want to kind of loop in any draft decisions they've made in the last couple of years. They, they're a team that was a quarterback away basically since Peyton Manning retired in 2016. And, they finally got their quarterback, and then they've had their worst year since they got their since Peyton Manning retired. This is the worst season they've had, really. So, um, so how do you how do you feel? Obviously, coaching is a big part of this, and our next spot is we're going to talk about all the coaching openings. So we'll talk about who we think fits best for the Broncos. Obviously, finding the right head coach who's going to be the guy that can come in and not only work with Russell Wilson but kind of control Russell Wilson a little bit along the way. Um, a lot of people just think Nathaniel Hackett got steamrolled. I think you mentioned that last night when we were talking yeah. about this. Uh, just didn't have the personality to even to even keep Russ on a level playing field, To let alone try to balance him out and keep control of his own locker room. So talk yeah. about what, what do you think the Broncos need to do there? I mean, like their defense played really, really, really well, right? So from a defensive standpoint, I really don't think there's a ton of holes on this. Um, I think probably an edge rusher is, is a thing that you look to add since they sent away Bradley Chubb. Um, that would probably be like on the defensive side, something I look to add. I mean, far as offense, though, that's really where your holes are. Um, you've got to go in and add a guy at, at a running back, right? Like you you want to go out and draft a young guy to either pair up with Javante Williams or eventually be the predecessor to take over Javante Williams spot. Right. Um, you want to add some tight end help. They really didn't get much help from the tight end position at all this year. Um, 
And Russell Wilson has traditionally been a guy who has success with tight ends, right? Like when they had uh, uh, well, Jimmy Graham, I guess, wasn't very good in Seattle, but um, still he likes to spread the ball around a lot. So like yeah. you've got to have a somewhat decent guy at each spot for it to work. Yeah. So and then you've got to go out and look to add a wide receiver. Realistically, uh, yeah. Jerry Judy was a good you know, Cortland Sutton was good, but like, those are guys that I'd love to see as my two and three option. And I'm much happier. Um, you know, I, I want to go in and probably try to add an, a true number one there. Um, so really it's the offensive side of the ball that I'm looking to add some help on. Um, and, and then the coaching, right? Like somebody has got to come in there and take over that franchise and, and be the leader of it and guide Russell Wilson and, and actually have control of it, I think is the biggest key. Yeah, I think you need a strong hand that's going to come in and kind of steer the ship right. Um, and I, I agree, like, that they lose Bradley Chubb. They did add Randy Gregory last offseason, but you definitely want to beef the pass rush back up. I think the secondary is in a pretty good spot. I mean, you never want – when you run into issues in the NFL, it's like, oh, that position group is completely fine. Let's not pay attention to it. And then you get four or five years down the road, and you're like, holy cow, I have one of those guys left that I started, and now I'm – you know, I have Jalen Ramsey and I have a bunch of no names around him and all of a sudden he's getting targeted because I mean they can go wherever they want with the football at that point, right? I mean your your best your defense is only gonna be as strong as its weakest link. And if you got three weak links in your secondary, you're gonna get scored on a lot. Okay. So um more of the same, I think adding a pass rusher is the big thing in offense. You're looking for a dynamic playmaker, whether that's in the in the backfield or at the wide receiver spot or even at a tight end. I don't think they could ever get uh, the Raiders to trade Darren Waller in division, but if the Raiders blow it up, like that's the kind of guy that I'm looking to add, right? I'm looking to right. go to a team that has a tight end and maybe is looking to get rid of him or just cap casualty, whatever the case is. I'm looking to add a superstar at a talent spot, and I'm looking to not only bolster the O-line, but I got to keep the guys that I have here, right? Dal- I think you mentioned last night Dalton Reiser is a free agent this offseason. He's a guy I need to keep around. Garrett Bowles is under contract, and uh, they have a couple good rotational pieces, but I'm looking for another anchor on the right side of the field. They move Garrett Bowles to left tackle. Reisner usually plays left guard. So if I can get an anchor on the right side, my two rotation, like this is a team that has a good a good offensive line if they can stay healthy. Javante Williams comes back healthy. Like you said, if they can add another – it never hurts to have another running back, right? I keep Latavius Murray around if, or Chase Edmonds if I was them. One of those two guys with Javante, plus you add a rookie, and maybe the rookie pops, right? I mean, we saw Ken Walker had a great year this year as a second-round pick. Brees Hall was dynamite before he got hurt coming out of the second round. So guys have been sprouting up like wildflowers or wildfire um, as late-round running backs. So it's definitely not a bad thing to add either. Yeah, they got to take a flyer on there somewhere. I mean, and there's a lot of the good news for for Denver is there's a lot of really good tight ends that are going to hit the market uh, this free agency. So Mike Gusecki is set to hit the market. Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram set to hit there. So you know yeah, I they forgot could. That he only signed a one year in. Yeah, uh, in one year. Jacksonville. So and then there's some like uh, I'd argue next tier guys: Austin Hooper, Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst will be available. Uh, so they'll be able to go out and get a guy for the most part. Um, when it comes to that category, uh, I mean, wide receiver, there's not much hitting the market this year. Um, there's a, there's some pieces, you know, Juju, but I don't think Juju really would want to go to a place like Denver, but, um, but yeah, I mean, far as their, their worries are, it's really, um, 
I think uh, a tackle for them is also set to hit the market. Let me double check here. Um, Might be their right tackle. It is. I believe it is uh, Cameron Fleming, I think is, I think he starts for them. Um, is there other tackle who's going to hit the market? Uh, he was, he was only on a one year deal with them, but, um, and then Kareem Jackson's also hitting the market. So they're going to have a decent amount of cap space by the time they make cuts. They'll probably, uh, cut chase Edmonds. That'll free up a lot of money and, and they'll make some moves like that to, you know, to kind of build up and, and get some more money to add some weapons on this offense. So, uh, I really don't think like, I think people were too high on them in the off season last year and i think people are too low on them now i really feel like they're a coacher way or you know a couple moves away and then they can be really competitive in the uh in the west so yeah i think we were both pretty low on them like we a lot of people were like broncos are gonna i think a lot of people were calling for them to win this division possibly or be the number two team behind yeah i mean it was such a toss-up everybody's rankings were different right i don't I think our rankings were pretty similar. Uh, the Raiders disappointed us as well this year. Um, but the Broncos were the biggest disappointment of all. But I do agree with you. Like, as, as hard as it is to find that head coach, right, and we'll kind of use this to segue into our coaching picks here for the Broncos. As hard as it is to find that coach, if you can find the right one, like they could come in and really, with just two or three roster moves, re-sign two guys and get the right coach. This team is looking at a 10 to 12 win season next year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't bet on it, right? Obviously, we have saw kind of the lowest of the lows is what they can get this last year. It's not a team that I'm going to go out and bet to win 12 games. But if they win 12 games next year, I would not be shocked, right? right. Like that's not something that's going to blow me out of the water by any stretch. So um, you want to go first or you want me to go first with this coaching pick here? Um, I, I can I can go first. Uh, right. We both picked who, who we think the Broncos end up with as their head coach here. Uh, my guess was Jim Harbaugh. I think they have to bring in a big name, a respectable name. Um, and, of course, as we're talking, Bleach Report put out a report. Uh, reports, uh, they're viewing Jim Harbaugh as a backup candidate as if Sean Payton turns down the job. So it seems like they might be down to their top two guys already, uh, even though I don't think they've interviewed everyone. But... That's apparently what the rumors are is they're going to sign a big name. And if Sean Payton doesn't want it, uh, it looks like it might end up going to Harbaugh. Obviously, that's all subject to change. That's what Tyler Conway is reporting. But uh, I think they need a big name, right? I don't think it's a crazy thought of like, this is a spot where I want to bring in a big name where Russell Wilson's going to have to respect the coach and the coach is going to be able to take control of the locker room and Russell Wilson has had success with coaches with big personalities, right? Pete Carroll was a huge personality and was somebody who owned the locker room and brought energy to practice every day and was more of the leader of the franchise than Russ was, right? And it started to turn sour in Seattle when all of a sudden Russ was that leader and was taken over. So, um, yeah, I I like Jim Harbaugh in that spot. Yeah, uh, definitely not a bad pick. As you'll you'll notice as we kind of go through these, I don't have Harbaugh listed as getting hired. I think he stays at Michigan. Now, I think if there's ever a spot for him to come out, this is definitely the year to do so. There's plenty of interesting jobs that he could land this year and also after another disappointing end at Michigan. Could kind of steer him towards the NFL route, but I didn't pick him. I, I think he kind of stays put at Michigan for now. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> 
as far as the Broncos go, I have Frank Reich as uh, my pick for their next head coach, uh, which that report doesn't bode well for my prediction, obviously, as it seems to be a two-man race between Peyton and Harbaugh at this point. But if there's a, a, there's definitely not a better third option out there behind those two guys other than Frank Reich. Um, I mean, we the, the whole problem with the Colts while he was there is that he didn't have a quarterback, right? I mean, they've had a different starting quarterback week one for seven years running now. Uh, ever since Andrew Luck's last year there. So it was always a quarterback issue there. And when I look at the rest of this team, this the Broncos kind of play a lot like the Indianapolis Colts, right? They're going to have a stout defense. If they add that one other piece and are able to hold on to Dalton Reisner, are going to have that probably top 15, top 10 offensive line play. They have Javante Williams, who I think could be a dynamic running back, not to a, a Jonathan Taylor level, but – We've seen flashes of what Javante Williams is capable of. You keep Latavius Murray around and you add that rookie. Like This is a team that that can be built very, very similar to what the Colts had while Frank Reich was there, except they have Russell Wilson and not Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz slash whoever else you want to name right along the way. So Frank Reich makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know if he's the personality that would fit there, but definitely a grounded presence that – can win with when he has a very good quarterback and they can lean on the run game. And I think that's another thing that Russell Wilson would kind of need for a bounce back season. Like, I don't think he needs the number one rushing attack to be successful as a quarterback, but it's definitely not going to hurt at all. Right. Like, yeah, if you could get into those games where you're going to a tough place to play, if you're going to a Buffalo, or even if you go back home to Seattle, right? A team, it's a hard stadium to play in. The weather's not always friendly, and they have a very good secondary. That's a game that I want to be able to rely on my run game. So those are the games where I think it would be very helpful to them to have that run game to lean on. And I think Frank Reich in Denver makes a lot of sense for a multitude of reasons for me. Yeah. I, I like Frank Reich as a fit. Like I think it's somebody I would think about bringing in. Um, for sure. Uh, but I, I don't know if he's a big enough name or a big enough personality to take over the locker room would be my only worry with a guy like Frank, Wright. Like personnel wise, it's a perfect fit. You give him Russell Wilson, you say run free, go for it. So, um, I, I really like that fit. I, I do. I think it's a, it's a good fit. Um, next we got is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I have them going after Sean Payton. Uh, I think, they have shown like this owner has talked and talked and talked. We're going to make the big moves. We're going to do whatever it takes to win games. So I don't think they bring back Sam Darnold. In my opinion, I think they are going to get aggressive and try to draft somebody uh, this off season. I think they trade in division for Sean Payton, um, which I feel like is a stretch. I really do think it's going to take a lot, but this is a team that's going to say, you know what? We don't really care. I'm willing to give up. Um, you know, I'm going to give up all of my, you know, as many assets as it takes to get in this guy who I know is a franchise level coach, let him pick his quarterback, let him build this franchise the way he wants to build it. Yeah. Um, not a bad pick at all. I agree with, with what you're saying there. They do have the capital to go get him as well. It's not a team that's short on draft capital or budding stars that have been in trade rumors the last, you know, over the last, back half of this year when we got to the deadline there was the talks of the possible fire sale that might happen in carolina right and there was a lot of names that they might move and this might happen and this might happen so they have the stuff to go get sean payton but 
either talks are going to have to cool just about everybody around the league, or they're going to have to come in with some type of godfather offer Yeah, where the saints would be like, yeah, sure. We'll trade them in division and then have to turn around and play them twice a year. Right. Like that's going to be a tough decision. It is a stretch. There is no, no doubt about it that it is. I'm definitely reaching here for sure. But it makes sense. So I can't blame you at all for the reach. Um, I have them uh, retaining Steve Wilkes as of right now. Um, not the splashiest hire in the world, right? And and a guy who doesn't have a ton of former head coaching experience. But here's the way that I look at it, right? I, I do think that Sean Payton's going to be an extreme long shot for them to try to land. They are uh, – I think they have an interview slated with Frank Reich, which he did play there for a year in his playing career. That's not a bad choice at all by any stretch either. Um, but – when Steve Wilkes was there, right, he had Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. They're, they're post-cutting Baker Mayfield. They're post-trading CMC away, right? This guy is inheriting kind of just a, a ragtag locker room of guys who are like, am I going to be here next year? Do they want me here next year? Like, do I have the option to resign? Are they going to trade me before we get there? Like, there's a lot of uncertainty off the field and on the field with this team. They didn't know who their quarterback was. There wasn't a lot of stuff to be really excited about as far as being a Panthers fan, coach, or player for that matter. He comes in. He takes Sam Darnold to 6-6. Six and six. They leaned on the defense. They leaned on a run game, which it, it's not a super talented one, right? They're anchored by Deonta Foreman and, and Chuba Hubbard. So – this guy comes in and is able to rally this locker room and has these guys playing really inspired football. They were down. They had a chance at the division up until week 17 before they finally got eliminated. So yeah. like there, they were two games off from being in the playoffs right now. So do I think that a 12 game stretch is worthy enough to give a guy a head coach spot? Not, not to hand the keys over, right? Like he doesn't have the job today, but if I go through the interview process and Frank Wright goes elsewhere, Sean Payton I can't trade for, and Harbaugh decides to stay at Michigan, I'm fine with running it back with Steve Wilkes for another year. And this is the way that I look at it, right? This job to me isn't super um, tantalizing, right? Like I don't – Sean Payton's not like chomping at the bit to get to, right. to Carolina. Now maybe with CMC still there – and if they had a franchise quarterback, right, we could have the discussion. They have a lot of young talent at that point. But the issue is they don't have either of those things. So you keep Steve Wilkes for a year, right? You try to figure out what the direction of your franchise is going to be with the quarterback spot, this, that, and the other. And then come next year, if it really doesn't work, now you've got another offseason. We'll see who the candidates are, right? If Sean Payton doesn't get traded, which I do think is a very low chance that he stays with the Saints at least on their contract for another year. I believe his contract's up next year. Yeah. It'd be hard it for them to match in the opening market, but you have a second shot and a, to me, a better shot at Sean Payton. I think you have a better shot of signing him in the open market than you do trying to trade for him in division. And you have maybe Harbaugh comes back around year two and he's more enticed, you know, more enticed by the offer this time around. So you kind of reset yourself for a year, try to make the job a little bit more appealing to head coaching candidates. And, and you let Steve Wilkes kind of do his thing because he, like, I mean, if he can get a hold of this locker room and get them going, like we saw last year, John Gruden got fired halfway through the year. I can't, I can never remember his name. The Raiders. Uh, Rich uh, Versace. Rich Versace. Interim head coach for the Raiders and had him playing some pretty decent football. He had the locker room behind him. They were playing good football. 
they decide they don't want to keep him around. They hire Josh McDaniels. Now I know that comparing whoever the Panthers are going to hire to Josh McDaniels is extremely unfair, especially without knowing who they're going to hire. But we've seen a team get burned by an interim coach that probably should have stuck around already, right? Like they kind of should have stuck with him. They didn't. And, and right now they're stuck with McDaniels. They had a terrible year. And the word around word around the street is, is that they literally do not have the money or the cap space to cut, like to fire McDaniels. Like they're going to have yeah. to keep him for another year because they do not have enough money to fire him, pay him what he is still um, promised, yeah. and then and then hire another guy, right? So that obviously, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges, but we've seen it happen in the past. Teams have been burned by this, right? And so it'll be interesting to see how the Panthers play it. But I don't think keeping Steve Wilkes around is the worst thing in the world to me. Yeah, I don't hate keeping Steve Wilkes around. I think the question is, is what could you have gotten? Um, yeah. Like, I, I think Steve Wilkes did a really good job with this defense, and I think that's the strong point of this, right? Like, I, I think they're going to have a better chance of trying to bring in a defensive-minded guy because you look at this defense and you go, wow, it's really good. Um, whereas an offensive guy is going to have to do do some rebuilding here. Um, I We didn't run through with the Broncos. I'm going to run through who the Panthers have set to interview. Um, yeah. Jim Caldwell is on their interview list. Great a great guy to interview and, and think about hiring uh, former Lions and Colts head coach uh, had six. He was the last successful coach besides uh, Dan Campbell in Detroit. So, and obviously had some success in Indianapolis as well. Ken Dorsey, the bills offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who's the Lions offensive coordinator again. Uh, and then I'm going to go one more guy, Mike Kanafkis, uh, the giants offensive coordinator, three offenses that are having great, great off season so far. So uh, you really love to see that they just added Kellen Moore to their interview list. They requested him uh, like just, just recently um, like this morning, I believe Frank Wright is scheduled. He's being interviewed right now. Uh, Shane Station, the Eagles offensive coordinator, again, another offensive coordinator who's having a great year. And then Steve Wilkes, who's their interim coach. So a list of really good candidates, a lot of guys on that list that I wouldn't be upset if they brought in any of them. Um, yeah. If I'm Frank Wright, I'm not sure I take this job, which sounds crazy, but it's kind of going to be the same scenario he had in Indianapolis, right? A really good run game, a really good defense, and no quarterback. And I don't know if I trust Frank Wright to make a decision to go out and find the right quarterback for my franchise, right? Yeah, and then the running game's not great. Like, they played great, but when you look at this on paper, like, this isn't a team where I'm like, yes, if I had to pick a rushing attack for next year, I want Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Right. right. Like, yeah, that's fair. So as much as they produce, like it's not a team that by any stretch talent wise, am I like, yes, that's that's the team that I want, right? So Yeah. I mean a lot of good free agent running backs hitting the market this year. Like a yeah. ton of good free agent running backs. Like Saquon Barkley could hit the market. Kareem Hunt, uh Jamal Williams in Detroit is a free agent. Josh Jacobs, who is uh, just announced is an all pro running back that that might be a free it's coming agent. off a career year career year so there there's going to be some options available out there as far as the running back position goes i'm gonna give a small kudos to to josh jacobs right like how do you hey we just declined your fifth year option how do you feel about that you're like you know i think i'll just lead the league in rushing yards how about that fuck you guys yeah and just had a great year this year so there's going to be four guys who rush for over a thousand yards 
or yeah, there's five guys: Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders, Saquon, and Josh Jacobs. Oh, Tony Pollard's a free agent this year. Tony Pollard's a free agent this Ooh, year too. Boy. So uh, Devonta Foreman is also a free agent. So he ran for 914. Jeff Wilson's a free agent at 860 yards. So there'll be there'll be some guys out there for sure. You can go out and get uh, Latavius Murray, who would have been a thousand yard rusher if he had signed all those games. So uh, if he had been on an active roster for the whole season, but I have Latavius Murray love. So I'm always going to think somebody should sign Latavius Murray, but respect. Um, next team we got is the Cardinals. I have them going out and getting Frank right. And I, I really like a lot of the picks. They don't have anyone on their list of coaches that they're looking at because they're going to hire a GM before they hire a coach. But for me, this is a perfect scenario for Frank, Wright Because you have a quarterback lined up in place and an offense who struggled. Right. And if there's anything Frank Wright has done is, uh, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, right? Like you give him a decent, like he made Carson Wentz a pretty good quarterback. He made Jacoby Brissett for a couple seasons, a pretty good quarterback. Like he has done, he can build an offense that is going to have some success. So I really think Frank Reich makes too much sense here. Bring in a guy like him and let him take control of this offense. Let him help fix Kyler Murray. Let him help, you know, bring out all of the potential in James Conner. Um, there's talks that they're going to trade D hop in the off season, uh, which is weird that those are coming out and they haven't even, they don't have a general manager in place. So I don't, I don't understand how that's even in the how discussion. Talked about. Yeah. Like that's I, the media right there. I, yeah. The media is like, yep, apparently they're going to look to move off of D hop. I'm like, you don't even have a GM. So who knows who, what that is. Who's making the phone calls right now? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Whoever you're getting that source from, I'm not sure I'm buying it just yet, but, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think Frank Wright comes in, you know, he's going to make your running game better. He's going to get a lot out of Kyler Murray, the most that you probably can get out of Kyler Murray. Um, and Frank Wright's an attitude guy, right? Like he's someone that's going to have this positivity around him. And I think that's what Kyler Murray needs in a coach. He walked like Cliff Kingsbury got walked over by Kyler Murray. I don't know if Frank Wright will let Kyler Murray do that to him because he's such a young quarterback. Yeah. And I agree. And I think, Frank Reich is also smart enough to sit back and be like, this kid is has otherworldly talent, right? We know how talented Kyler Murray is. It's never been a talent issue. It's more so been an effort issue a lot of the times with Kyler Murray. So I think he's smart enough. When Kyler Murray does kind of try to challenge an authority and look at him, it's not a guy that that you want to get rid of, right? Like this is a guy I need to mend this relationship with and try to show that I'm on his side, right? Like, that was the one thing we saw from McDaniel and Tua all year long, right? Like people are clipping stuff from him and Brian Flores last year and two year or yeah, last year. And they're like, look at the the attitude change from Tua this year, right? McDaniel comes in much more lighthearted, is talking to him and and much more of a friend than he is a head coach, right? Which can sometimes get you in trouble, but Tua obviously had a career year to start before the concussion started to kind of come into play and a lot of people credit that's just not only McDaniel and his coaching style and being the offensive guru. Yeah, I've studied behind, you know, Kyle Shanahan for a couple of years. Just Mike McDaniel being just a general overall likable guy, right? Like they were like, McDaniel just seems like a down to earth human, and Tua seems to really connect with a coach that has that kind of style, right? So I think Frank Wright can be that for, for, uh, 
for Kyler Murray going forward and trying to keep that attitude in check a bit. But um, I have Sean Payton as my pick here. When I look at the possible trade spots, right, that I would be able to move teams that have enough capital, are in division, and have a head coaching spot, there's kind of a disqualifier and also have an attractive, you know, attractive job opening, right? I think we look at the list of the teams that we're going to talk about. One of them has one of these disqualifiers all the way through, except for the Cardinals, in my opinion. I think this is an attractive job. I think they have the capital to go get them and they're not in the NFC South. So um, you bring Sean Payton in, you stack him next to Kyler Murray. We've seen Sean Payton obviously have a lot of success with Drew Brees. There's obviously a little bit of a different play style there. The stature is the same. I do think that Kyler Murray does have a very talented arm, and I think Sean Payton would be able to do a lot. I mean, we've seen what he's able to do with Taysom Hill. Obviously, he's not going to full bore throw Kyler Murray into the Taysom Hill playbook because he's a little bit more valuable than Taysom Hill is. But we could see Sean Payton get a little bit weird here, right? And he might be able to bring in the guy to do the Taysom Hill stuff behind Kyler Murray, and then you could get real, real weird. If you have Kyler Murray and a Taysom Hill kind of guy on the field, the possibilities are endless, right? Like, I'm not going to throw Kyler Murray into the Taysom Hill playbook, but for a play or two here or there, just for the confusion factor, I might have to do it, right? So Sean Payton, I think, makes a lot of sense. They have the draft capitals go get him. They have an attractive job. And, again, we talked about the 42 coaches. Leads the lead the league in history of most coaches. I think average down, each coach has about two and a half seasons in Arizona before they get fired. They're trying to turn that ship around. They're trying to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2011. You have the talent here, right? This is a team when we did our, our predictions. This team could win 12 games. This team could win four, right? Yeah. At the highest of the highs, like this team – this Cardinals team can be very, very good and can win a lot of games. But at the lowest of the low, it might blow up in their face and they may be left at the end of the season without a head coach, possibly without a franchise quarterback, right? With all the drama that surrounded Kyler Murray's contract and the homework clause. I mean, there was we didn't know what was going to happen with this team, right? And now we're sitting here. You have a chance at Sean Payton. I think you got to go for it, right? Like, don't do what the Broncos did, right? The Broncos finally got their franchise quarterback and then went for a rookie head coach. It backfired. The Broncos were in a spot where they kind of took a shot and they they hit, right? They got Russell Wilson. They needed the follow-up shot to get the head coach to go with him. They didn't take it. I think that the Cardinals are in this spot where, like, you got to take a shot now, right? Sean Payton doesn't hit the open market every year, right? Yeah. Sean Payton's not here. And Frank Reich and Jim Harbaugh are kind of the top two guys, and then you have all the OCs and DCs. It's just another year, right? It's another year of the coaching carousel. We're doing this thing. Jim Harbaugh is a little bit of a higher statue, and so is Frank Reich, but – they feel closer to the Doug Peterson level. This is Sean Payton, right? Like, true. This is a guy with this quarterback that can take you to the promised land. You have got to load the cannon and you've got to take the shot, right? So I this agree. is a team that makes sense to me, and I think it'd be a great landing spot for Payton as well. And and it's funny you bring up the Taysom Hill stuff, by the way. Uh, if Taysom Hill is traded post uh, June first or cut post June first. The Saints saved ten million dollars in cap space, so yeah, Taysom Hill could be on the open market. You know what I mean? Like, how about could, this? Yeah. Just throw him in the trade package, right? Like, yeah. Hey, both yeah. first to like he's Sean Payton and Taysom Hill. Give me a couple firsts <laughs> back. We'll just let it ride, right? Well, like, that's kind of, that's crazy. That that that's a little much <coughs> for my take, but um, but yeah, no, I uh, I it's not crazy, crazy, but it is. That's a little funny, but 
It would be hilarious. It would be hilarious if they did that. All right. Next team we got is the Texans. Um, I, I'm going to put an honorable mention in, in here as well, by the way, uh, that I think needs to be brought up. And I'm kind of mad I didn't put them on our top candidates list here. But uh, I think Brian Flores for this job would be a pretty good fit. I am kind of sad that they don't have him on their interview list. Um, I'm going to hit you with who they're interviewing first. Uh, EJ Evero, the Broncos defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gavin, the Eagles defensive coordinator. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator. Uh, DeMarco Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator. And then Shane Stetchen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Um, I really, really would hope they would interview Brian Flores. I think he would be a great fit with this job. A Patriots guy at general manager. And then you just, you know, you straight up bring in a Patriots system guy and Brian Flores, I think makes all too much sense, but they probably won't go that way. I have him going Shane Stenson. Um, I really like what the Eagles offense has done. And I think if you were to bring in an offensive coach, this is the year to do it for the Texans. And you do this because he's going to have his selection at quarterback, right? Um, Texans have the second overall pick. Very obvious. The bears are not going to take a quarterback, right? Uh, I mean, they've said that they're not, but you never know, I guess, but I don't think any of these guys are blow me out of the water. Kyler Murray type situation where you go, you know what? We're going to restart for this guy, but you might have the pick of quarterback that you want at two. So you bring in an offensive coach, say, okay, who do you want? Do you want Bryce Young? Do you want CJ Stroud? Do you want us to go get a, a Will Levis? Like, what do you, what do you want to do here? And, uh, you build your offense around that way. So that's kind of how I see them going. You've got them going a little bit of a different direction here. Yeah, a tad bit. Um, I do want to talk quickly about just that number one overall pick in the Bears, right? We've seen the reports. There are people saying that the Bears should debate trading away Justin Fields and drafting a Bryce Young or whoever they feel like is the top quarterback. I wanted to throw a quick opinion out. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about draft time. I think that's the stupidest thing you could ever do because, like you just said, there is no blow away, runaway number one overall pick at the quarterback spot this year, right? There is no there is no Trevor Lawrence. There is no Patrick Mahomes. There is no, you know, obviously Patty wasn't that guy coming out of the draft, but you get what I'm saying. There is no generational quarterback this year. Yeah. There's, there's no guy that stands off the page. Generational quarterbacks aren't made at pro days and combines. Generational quarterbacks are seen – playing every Saturday, right? And and playing in the college football playoff a lot of the time as well. So, yeah. Next um, next year is going to have two guys who I would think about selling the farm for. Uh Yeah. So, and the only thing that the Texans have to kind of be worried about then is if the Bears try to trade back, right? Are they going to let the Lions hop up in front of them and take whoever they want? The Texans have to kind of make a decision, right? Like you got to scout the quarterbacks you got to figure out who your guy is. And honestly, I'm, I'm getting on the phone with Chicago and I'm like, hey, what is it going to take for us to trade up the one pick? Would it be like, what, do you have a chance to give up, you know, something for no reason, right? And jump, uh, just jump the one pick and take your quarterback at one for no reason, right? And nobody else is going to trade up? Possibly. But the other possibility is you get dead set on Bryce Young. The Lions hop you and they draft him at one. And now you're left with, with your dick in your hand and you have no idea and you're going to take whoever the second best guy is. Right. And that's not, we talk about this every year, especially, especially when it comes to the quarterback, people are like, Oh, he reached, you could have got him at nine. We were talking about it two years ago. Trey Lance, they could have got Trey Lance at six. They could have got him at nine. Why'd you trade up? Why'd you give up three first rounders to go up? 
if you feel like you know who the guy is, you got to do everything in your power to put your destiny in your hands, right? Because if, say, the 49ers decide to sit at nine, right? And then for some reason, the team at six or five is like, you know what? Carolina's like, you know what? We actually wanted Trey Lance, but we didn't think he'd fall this far. We're going to take him at five. And now you're sitting back at nine or at six, and you're like, well, shit, now what do we do, right? So if you know who your guy is, you got to go get your guy. So for the Texans, I have them bringing in a defensive coordinator. I have them bringing in a former player for them. D'Amico Ryan is one of the best Texans of all time. He's going to be their head coach. This is my pick. He is currently the 49ers defensive coordinator. Um, I have him going back to his old stomping grounds here. I think he can kind of get this defense on track. I think this defense has some talent. Derek Steenland Jr. had a really good year last year. And, and they've got some pieces on that defense. Now, offensively, obviously a lot of work to do. But maybe they decide – to sit out like I this is a crazy take and I don't think they'll do this at all right but maybe they're sitting back and they're looking at next year's class and they're seeing those two generational guys they're looking at this year's class they see some generational talent in this year's class but it's not at quarterback it's on the other side of the ball right and D'Amico Ryan's the defensive guy somebody hops up to one or the Bears are idiots and they trade away Justin Fields and take a Bryce Young at one I'm sitting here at two and Will Anderson's on the board maybe I think about it right maybe I'm like you know what we'll sit out on the quarterbacks right Maybe I'll try to trade for Derek Carr for a season. Maybe I'll pull a Colts tactic. Maybe I'll get a get a 32-year-old to play for a year. We'll address quarterback next year, right? Not going to happen, but it's a possibility. Right? I, I they like D'Amico Ryans. Maybe they sit on Davis Mills for a year if they're going to do that. Take, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a solid possibility as well. Take, take a Will Anderson or take a defensive stud. Sit on sit on Davis Mills for another year, quarterback, end up in the top 10 again, and then do whatever, make whatever moves you have to make to try to get a guy. <laughs> Yeah, because this is, again, and people are talking, I've seen mock drafts that are like, well, Will Anderson's the obvious number one overall pick. This is this is the NFL. Last year is one of the very first years that I can remember in recent history where there wasn't a quarterback being taken at the number one overall pick, and at least not heavy, heavy, heavy speculation of the number one overall pick being a quarterback, right? So with the Bears in prime position to trade down and acquire more picks to try to rebuild around Justin Fields, the most, like, Teams aren't going to trade up for Will Anderson. I'm sorry. Like, if, if you ask me what's more likely, a team trading up for Bryce Young or a team trading up for Will Anderson, is Bryce Young by a mile. And it's every other quarterback by a mile as well. That's what teams are going to move up for more often than not. So you have a chance to get a generational guy like Will Anderson here too and sit at quarterback for another year. Yes, is it crazy? Are you going to be ridiculed? 100%, right? And I think that's another thing is D'Amico Ryans has got to go in and be like, hey, man, if we don't take a quarterback this year, I need to make sure that I'm not going to be the third one and done three years running, right? I'm gonna need, yeah. I need to know that I'm going to have two to three years here. I think this is, this, a, this is a spot where the, the head coach is going to end up getting a five-year, seven-year deal because, yeah, of just how unstable the Texans have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need the job security because as of right now, it's not in the history for me to get a lot of time, right? So I'm going to need the guarantee on my con- – I need the Josh McDaniels deal, right? I need to be paid enough money and for enough amount of years where you feel financially uncomfortable to get rid of me after a year, right? I'm not signing a two-year deal with the Houston Texans because they'll ditch me after one. Yeah. So D'Amico Ryan's hometown guy, hometown discount, feels like the guy that, you know, if he – if all the other jobs fly, like I don't think he would mind going back and, you know, coaching the organization that he played for most of his career for. Yeah. All right. Last one we've got is the Colts. I'm going to run through who they have on their list real quick here, and then we will jump into what we think. Um, 
<clears throat> Elijah Everett, Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator, Raheem Most, uh, Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, Jeff Saturday, their interim coach, or Shane Stetson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Um, there's talks that uh, that he stays, right? That there's a talk that they might keep in uh, Jeff Saturday as their head coach, which I, I think is crazy. I really Absolutely don't ridiculous. don't really love that thought, but you know it would be a very cult like move to do it. Um, it would be a Jim Irsay thing, yeah. It would be. Sure. I've got him going getting Raheem Most, the Rams DC. I think they need a defensive guy in here, and I think they want to bring in a young guy and and try to rebuild. Because uh, I don't I don't look at this and go, you know, we can't keep the delusion alive of you know they're a quarterback away, they're a quarterback away. They stunk. You know what I mean? They really, really did stink. And Jonathan Taylor being hurt this year proved how reliant that offense was around Jonathan Taylor. So um, they need wide receivers. They need running back or they need uh, quarterback help. So they've got a lot of holes on this team to fill. So I'd bring in a defensive guy, you know, let them kind of build the roster, build that defense back up to where it can be a dominant force and and kind of go from there. I, I view this team as a full rebuild. Uh, Broncos, I think you can kind of step in and make something happen pretty quick. Same thing with the Cardinals. I think the other three, for the most part, you're looking at, you know, some form of a long-term rebuild. Yeah. Um, for the Colts, I have Dan Quinn down, uh, kind of the same route, a defensive guy, not a young defensive guy, but a defensive guy. Nonetheless, um, I think he comes in and makes a lot of sense, right? He's had a lot of success with that, that defense out in Dallas, and this Colts defense is extremely talented. I don't think a lot of people realize that they're they're a rotational edge rusher and and, and kind of a a superstar level guy in the secondary away from being a, a, a really an NFL's top unit, right? You have DeForest Buckner, I have Kenny Moore, who's turned into one of the best cor- one of the better corners in the game, but also is the best slot corner in the game. If I can get two guys to go on the outside around him. And also I have Shaq Leonard, the maniac in the middle of the field, who's a tackle machine, strip sacks, the whole nine, right? Uh, Shaq Leonard gets the job done at the linebacking spot as well. So there's there's talent all over this team. I think Dan Quinn could do a lot when it comes to this. And if they bring in a talented offense coordinator to boot and they're able to try to figure out what the hell they want to do at quarterback, right? Like, I think you finally take a young guy. I think this is another team that thinks about trading up, right? If – if the door opens and the Bears are like, hey, we'd like to move down, I think the Colts are at least a team that has to put a phone call. Like, hey, man, what's the price tag? Right? What am I going to be looking at here? Because right. I'm not going to guarantee that we're going to get a deal done here, but I've got to at least do my due diligence and be like, well, what are you asking for? Right? So um, I think Dan Quinn makes a lot of sense as a defensive coordinator to come in here and coach this talented defense. And I, I think – offensively, they don't have to do a ton, right? Yes, they stunk. I'm also looking at an offensive line coach this offseason because there's no reason with the amount of money that they have invested and the talent that they have on the offensive line that they should have been as bad as they were this year. So get Jonathan Taylor healthy, maybe add an offensive lineman. But more often than more, more importantly, I've got to go – so my offensive line coach is here, whoever I hire, if I decide to get a new one, I've got to pull Quentin Nelson. I'll be like, listen, man, last year was unacceptable, right? I know you're an all pro and it's not like we're going to look to move away from you going forward in, in, in the future. But like, 
we've got to play better, right? Like we're like, well, what's the what's the saying, Tim? Oh, yeah, we're like the kid who's playing second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. We got to play better, right? Quinn Nelson. Yeah, I get you're a Pro Bowler, man, but we got to play better, right? Like you shouldn't have been a Pro Bowler. There, there are a couple of guys that were more deserving of that Pro Bowl spot than than Quentin Nelson were this year. He had a down year. He had a really, really bad year, to be honest with you. And I think that's where it kind of starts on your offensive line. You got to look at your superstar, and be like, hey, man, I need more out of you, right? And then Quentin Nelson's got to go to Braden Smith, like, hey, I need more out of you, right? If they're going to expect this out of me, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to give my all. I got to know that it's not going to just be me, right? Remember, his rookie year, he had a great year. They weren't super great because it was just him, right? And then Braden Smith kind of came along. Ryan Kelly's coming along. So if he can get this offensive line back going again, this team, I think, can lean on the run game again. And I think that's exactly what they need for whoever their quarterback is to be successful, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it's Matt Ryan for another year, whether they draft a guy, whoever it is, they're going to need a run game to lean on. And I think that starts up front. And I think Dan Quinn could come in, kind of focus elsewhere. And if nothing else, I think he can motivate the offensive line a bit, but they've got to get another offensive line coach or something in there to kind of, to get those guys going again. Yeah. No, I think I, I think there's a lot of lot of work to be done for the Colts, and uh, I it would be if I was a coach on the open market, this is a job that would scare me slightly just because of the unsystem. Uh, like the, I mean, the owner just makes wild decisions, right? Like Jeff Saturday yeah. is not not a move that I trust, and there's a lot of lot of work to be done there. Um, but I think that's going to wrap up uh, the coaching section for for this this podcast here. There'll be more to come as we hear more rumors and stuff like that. Um, kind of breaking news as we've been talking here. Uh, Demar Hamlin has been sent home from the hospital, so nice. that is that is awesome to hear. That uh, that is great some news. great news to start off. Uh, start off your what is today Wednesday? Whatever today is Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So we love love to hear stories like that. But that's happy. Um, we're gonna jump right into our playoff predictions. Um, yeah. We're going to go division by division and then talk through our our Super Bowl here. Uh, they did just announce that Tua is out and Skylar Thompson is going to be starting for the Dolphins. I don't know if you saw that, but that is Yikes. that has just been confirmed. Like, again, a lot of news is dropping while we're recording today. Like a shocking amount of news is, is we're not used down. to recording in the day. We're usually a late night, late night. So everything's, you know, normally out or we, you know, we have set information, but yeah, uh, Skylar Thompson is going to start for the dolphins. So keep bear that in mind. Um, we're going to start out in the NFC. Um, um, we're going to go through the wild card round and we'll go game by game together. And then we'll kind of talk it through that way. I think is going to be the best way. Um, right. First game we're going to start out with is Viking Giants. Who do you got? Um, I have the Giants pulling the upset here. Uh, the Vikings have been obviously heralded all year as as this great offense, but a defense they can't hold anything. They had a negative point differential at some point in the 13-14 game mark, which has never been done for a team that's upwards of 10 to 12 wins. Um, and the Giants are playing hot, right? Brian Dable has came in and really inspired this offense. The defense has also played some really good football. I think they're going to go out and be able to do a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball. And they don't have to do a ton of things on the offensive side of the ball, right? The Vikings yeah. have been absolutely terrible on defense this year. But I think their defense is going to be able to come out. And all they have to do is make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable for a quarter and a half, two quarters. And they can go out there and hold the Vikings to seven to 14 or less in the first half. They win the game pretty, pretty handedly. Yeah. That's all the Vikings loss of this year have been – 
in those games where they kind of struggle offensively in the first half. Those are the games they lose. I think they're 10-0 and in one-possession games this year, which is an absolutely unreal thing. So definitely the last thing the Giants want to do is make this a close game, right, because the, the Vikings have proven that they're able to win those, right? I need to go out. I need to punch the Vikings in the mouth as hard as possible. I need a Saquon Barkley first play halfback zone 75-yard touchdown to the house, right? I need to catch this defense sleeping. I need to come out here and make waves, and I think the Giants are going to be able to do that this weekend. Yeah, so we did not share our brackets with each other um, beforehand. Uh, I also true. I also have the Giants upsetting, so that works out very well. Uh, it's funny that we both kind of saw that. I think the Giants are the right kind of football team to uh, beat up on the Vikings. I do want to talk about one thing really quickly before we get too deep into this. Um, five first-year coaches made the playoffs this year, so that is truly a, a, a really good feat. Um, one of them is going to win a game because this game has two of them, Brian Dayball, uh, Kevin O'Connell here, and then Todd Bowles, uh, for the Buccaneers, uh, also made the playoffs. And then you have Doug or not Doug Barone. Holy cow. Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson in the Jaguars and then Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins. So, uh, really impressive, uh, for those guys to be fair, Todd Bowles was a head coach before, and he also took over a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago. So like, you know. He deserves the least amount of credit out of any of these guys, but besides the point, but yeah, I think the Giants play the right kind of football to beat up on the Vikings here, and I have the Giants upsetting them as well, so uh, we, we're kind of matching energy on that game, which uh, I love. Next yeah, game, I, we oh, go ahead. The Vi- the Vikings aren't making it far. I think that's like the easiest. If, if I had to pick an upset here, I think that's the safest upset to pick, in my opinion. I agree. Well, yeah. maybe the second safest on the NFC side, I think. Ooh, interesting. Little, we'll talk about little that preview here. Um, next game we got 49er Seahawks. Um, again, I think this is probably going to be one that we agree on. Um, the Niners have played well all year. They're on a 10-game win streak. Uh, obviously, Brock Purdy is a big question mark coming into this game. He's a rookie quarterback. We haven't seen him in the postseason. What's it going to be like? Luckily, this game's in Santa Clara and not in Seattle. Uh, but I think the 49ers ride the defense in this game. I don't think it's going to – it doesn't need to be a high-scoring affair. It doesn't mean the Niners won't go out there and put up a lot of points. But uh, Brock Purdy's got to look in the mirror and say, hey, man, if I go score three touchdowns, we have a really, really solid chance of winning this game, right? We can win this game 21-14. Not out of this world for that to happen, right? So I, I do have the Niners win this game. I think the defense is just too stout for Seattle to get past. I agree. Yeah, I, I we're on the same page here. Um, 49er Seahawks. I think this is the biggest spread of the weekend. Um, I want to say last I checked, it was like 14 points. I want to say something crazy like that. Um, I'm going to double check that real quick, but yeah, I really like San Francisco to win this game. Um, Brock Purdy just has to not make mistakes and they'll be in a position, right? Like I think the Seahawks are genuinely going to, they're going to struggle against that 49ers defense. Uh, Oh, it's down to nine and a half. So, not the biggest spread now. Uh, obviously, Miami Buffalo is the biggest spread, but um, it's going to get bigger after the news today, after, too. After well, the news has already shifted it. It was uh, yesterday morning. It was at ten and a half, and that's already up to thirteen and a half. Um, but what were we talking about? Oh yeah, 49ers. But yeah, I, I think this game really isn't close. Like the Seahawks have been a great story. It would really take a miracle. They'd have to play super, super well against the Niners and the Niners have dominated them all season. So um, I, I like the Niners in this game as well. Um, next game we got is Bucks Cowboys. 
Yeah, uh, probably the one of the more interesting games this first round. That's uh, a team teams that matched off in week one. Obviously, the Buccaneers took that took that win in stride, but the seasons have gone very differently for both of these teams since, right? I mean, the Cowboys were hot throughout the year and um, were able to amass a great record and would have had the one seed and the division if it weren't for the Eagles playing even better. And the Bucks obviously kind of limped into the playoffs here, right? They were they had a chance to lose to the division to two separate teams all the way up until week 17 and 18. Um, I have the Cowboys beating the Buccaneers in this game, which uh, I was surprised by myself picking this. Um, it's not smart to bet against Tom Brady in the postseason. It's probably going to bite me in the ass, but I just – I think the Cowboys have enough to get it done. Now, I'm not uber confident in this pick by any stretch, but I was just looking at it and I'm like, man, I don't know. The Buccaneers have struggled all year, and I get that they've turned it on as of late, and this is postseason time coming around just at the right time, but I haven't seen enough this year to fully be 100% confident in the Buccaneers at this point, right? And I think it, it also comes more defensively than anything, right? The Cowboys haven't really struggled to put up points for the most part of this year, and as talented as that defensive is, the Buccaneers have struggled to stop people for a good, decent part of the year. So I have the Cowboys. I think their offense just kind of overwhelms the Buccaneers' defense, and they're going to ride that to a win. But obviously a very shaky game nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the one that I think is going to be interesting. I, I like the Buccaneers, so I think we're disagreeing. Um, I like the Bucs here. I think – Tom Brady just finds ways to win games like this. And I think it's going to be scrappy and I think it's going to be close. And that's what scares me the most about the Cowboys is I know Tom Brady will control any late game scenario very, very well. I don't know if I trust the Cowboys in that same breath. Um, oh no, I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah. trust them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have the Bucks winning. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say you had the Bucks winning? No, I had the Cowboys winning. Right, I okay. have them. I, I I don't think it's going to be a close. I think their offense is going to do enough to separate them. But if this okay. is a close game, yeah, I'm not betting on the Cowboys. No. This is one of the tightest. This is the tied for the tightest line. Uh, it's two and a half. Bucks are plus two and a half here, um, at home, which is normally not a great sign. But it is. It is going to be. I think it's going to be a close game, and that's ultimately why I picked the Buccaneers to come out and win this game. So yeah, um, I don't think it's. A, I don't think you can really go wrong with that pick. Yeah, either way. So uh, we're going to stick in the NFC here, go to the divisional round. Uh, Eagles versus Giants. Uh, I would imagine we're the same here, but who do you got? I got the Eagles winning this game. Um, defense has been stingy. Offense has played well. There's a reason that they're the one seed. Is there a chance that the Giants upset? I do think it's possible, right? Like the Giants have played really good football all year. And as much as the Eagles have played good football all year, they're also a little bit banged up, right? They'll have the week off to get Jalen Hurts a little bit healthy, to try to get Lane Johnson healthy. But if one of those two guys can't go, this question, this game becomes a lot more into question at that point. Because um, the Giants have, have made their living defensively as just kind of edge rushing. They're, they're getting pressure from all spots. It's a very Patriots-like pass rush. Of They're not leaning on one guy to get 20 sacks a year. They just have four guys that are going to get eight, right? Yeah. So Leonard Williams being on the edge, obviously, and they have some other guys in that spot that I think could get some pressure. But I do think the Eagles, with the week off, are going to be able to get healthy, and I think they can survive the Giants this this, this game. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I think this game is probably closer than a lot of people think. Um, I think even if it's the Vikings, it might be a pretty close game. But I think, um, I think the Eagles take care of business. I guess it wouldn't be the Vikings if 
in that case. But you get the point of, yeah, I like the Eagles no matter what the game looks like. Um, I think they have a pretty good chance to come out come out on top here. Um, next game we got 49ers. I have it versus the Bucks. You have it against the Cowboys. How do you have that game going? Um, I have the Niners winning. Uh, I have them beating the Cowboys in this game. Um, originally, I actually accidentally had it flipped. I wasn't paying attention to seeding, and I had the Eagles beating the Cowboys and the 49ers beating the Giants. The The result is the same on my side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. I have an Eagles-49ers NFC title game, the one and the two seed coming together. Yeah. Um, the Niners are going to ride this defense, right? They know that they have a rookie quarterback. They're not going to try to put a lot of pressure on him. Um, like I said, this Cowboys team has – hasn't struggled to score the ball at all, but this is also the number one defense in the NFL, right? The Niners have made their money on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is also one of the first times they've really been healthy all year. Um, and it's probably the first time that the 49ers have been healthy defensively as a whole in a couple of years, right? Yeah. So they're, they're at full strength. They're rock and rolling, ready to go going in. I think the only thing that they may struggle with is, that the Cowboys do have a multitude of targets to go to. They're not a they're not a one target team like some of these other teams are along the way. They can go to CeeDee Lamb, they can go to T.Y. Hilton, they can go to Dalton Schultz. You know, they have options and options and options. But I think where where the success comes from is making Dak Prescott uncomfortable and sh- and shutting down the run game. If they can if they can halt Zeke and Tony Pollard and really make Dak beat them, I think they have a very very solid chance of winning this game. Yeah, I've got I've got the 49ers beating the Bucks. Um like I said, we we just had different teams winning that game, but yeah, I think I think the 49ers come out on top. Um I just that defense is so scary to me and it provides, you know, so much leverage where again, Brock Purdy isn't going to have to go out and play great, and especially now with Christian McCaffrey on the team, I think it's going to be pretty dangerous, right? Now, it's obviously a risk picking the 49ers to make it to the NFC Championship for both of us. We don't know what Brock Purdy is going to look like in the in the playoffs, but he's looked good in tough spot after tough spot after tough spot. So long as he plays the same, he doesn't even really have to play better. If he can maintain this level of play through the playoffs, I think I think they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game at least. So, um, yeah, and that puts us with the same NFC Championship game here. We have Eagles 49ers. Uh, who do you have coming out of that game? Uh, I have the 49ers coming out of this game. Um, again, you want to talk about risky. I'm picking Brock Purdy to be the first rookie quarterback to ever lead his team to a Super Bowl. And um, here we are. Um, I think, again, this defense has just been so good all year long. And Purdy has, has shined. There hasn't really been a bad Brock Purdy game. A yeah. bad Brock Purdy game has just been the run games going and he didn't have a lot of opportunities. Like that's been his bad game so far. It's just that he only threw the ball 20 times, right? So he's just played so well. Now I do think defensively the Eagles are going to try to make him a little bit uncomfortable, but I, I've seen enough from Purdy to to kind of have a little bit of faith in him going into this game, whereas on the other side of the Eagles, obviously I should have some faith in Jalen Hurts, but – the 49ers defense is a lot better than the Eagles defense is. Um, and I think if you take the running game away from the Eagles, which is a lot harder to do, if you're able to do that, I don't know what you have at that point, right? We're going to really see what Jalen Hurts is made of if this is the NFC title game because for a guy that's getting a lot of MVP talks, this is where you kind of make your money. This is where you prove people right or wrong. you got the number one defense staring you down the face, and they're the only thing standing between you and the Lombardi tr- – well, they're – 
one of the last two teams that's going to stand between you and the Lombardi Trophy. You've got to make your money here. And we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in that spot. We haven't seen Brock Purdy in that spot. So this is a very difficult game to predict. But there's been a team that's been there more recently, and it's the 49ers, and that's the team that I'm going to bet on in this game. Yeah. I, I like the 49ers and I have I have very similar reason. I think this is going to be a defense juggernaut game, right? Like I don't think this is going to be a high flying offensive game. And for me, it's very similar to the Cowboys Bucks game where it's going to come down to experience and I like Kyle Han, Kyle Shanahan's experience a little bit better than I like uh Nick Sirianni's right. And I think yeah. managing those late game scenarios, I think it's a really close freaking game. Like really, really, really close. And I think, I think it's one on a game winning field goal. I really do. I think it's going to be that close, that tight of a game for sure. So, um, wow. Well, that's weird that we both had, what are the odds of that? We both had the, the Niners uh, going all the way, Niners going all the way here, but it works out. Um, where do we want to start here? We're going to start out with the three, six game, uh, for the AFC. Now, uh, Bill's Ravens. Who do you got winning that game? Whoa, whoa, the three, six. Oh, Bengals Ravens. Um, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. this is tough for me. What are you talking honestly. about? No, Bill's Ravens. Where are we at? Three, six Bill's Ravens. Bengals Ravens, right? Did no. the Bills lose the two seed? Bills are Bills are the three seed. I thought the Bills were the, no, no, no. Hold on. Are you 100% certain? I'm I'm pretty damn sure, but let me I'll double check it real quick. Give me a sec. I thought for sure that Baltimore played Cincy round one. Oh, they do. What the heck? Yeah. Whoa, this is all janky for me. Wait, why is that so off? What in the world is this? Okay, hang on. Let me let me see if I can't figure out what's going on here. Okay. But yeah, continue anyways. Uh so I can I can talk about this game while you if you need to edit your bracket a bit. That's obviously gonna change your, your matchups a bit down the stretch. Yeah, I don't understand um, what I did there, but okay. Bengals Ravens, uh this is very tough for me. Obviously, being a Ravens fan, it's hard to take your bias out of it. Uh I have the Bengals winning this game. Um it's not a game that I like saying that about, obviously, but I am coming at this as of Lamar Jackson was limited in practice so far this week from what we've known. I I don't think he's going to play. And if he does, I don't think he's going to be anywhere close to full strength, right? Like there's just, there's obviously a lot of rumors with the contract and, and what's happening that he set out just to prove a point that he, this, that, and the other, and whatever have you, like, I don't think he was sitting out to prove a point, right? I think his knee was hurt. And I just find it very, very hard to believe that for five to six weeks, you're just, there's, there's no way you're touching the field. You're not practicing. You're not thinking about practicing and nothing's happening. And then playoff times roll around. You're like, Oh, I'm healed. Fine and dandy. Right. I think you're just fueling those rumors at that point. I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to play. And if he does, like I said, I don't think he's going to be at a hundred percent. And not only does Lamar Jackson need to be at 100% to win this game, the Ravens need to be at 100% to win this game. And Gus Edwards went down with a head injury in Week 18. We don't know if he's going to play. I think he's in concussion protocols last I knew. The Ravens are beat up. You know, they, they clinched a playoff spot like three, four weeks ago, and they've, they've been struggling with Anthony Brown and Tyler Huntley since. Um, the Bengals are at full strength. They're rocking. They're rolling. They're just – 
I think they're just hot right now. And not only is Baltimore not hot, they're also banged up. So I have Cincinnati winning this game. Yeah, I got mine all corrected here. I I have Cincinnati winning this game as well. I don't know. I'm trying to think what the best way to say this is. Is like I I don't see a way where Baltimore wins this game just because it's such a mess. Like without Lamar, I think they stand no chance. With Lamar, I think it's a closer game, but I still think Cincinnati has it because you're right. Because I don't know if Lamar's in the right headspace. I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy. I just don't know if the cards are going to line up here for them to be successful. And that's honestly what scares me the most about this game. So I think we're in agreement there having, uh, having Cincy move on there. I don't know why we started with a three, six game, but I just, I, I didn't mean that for that to happen, but it did. Um, next we'll talk about Jackson mill chargers. Who do you got? Um, my last thing before I move into this game, it is, it is an AFC North game. It is, gonna be chippy i'll talk about the bets later on but like don't completely count baltimore out of this game because i unless since he can go out there and really blow us out of the water like they did the two times last year without lamar jackson like this year with lamar jackson it was 1916 was the final score right and baltimore won that game and it was a very close game so don't count the ravens completely out of this if it's a close game but i'm betting on lamar not playing and also since he's gonna not not have a bad offensive game i don't think so um, uh, Jaguars Chargers. I have uh, this is this is the other game when I said that this is probably the easiest upset to predict in the NFC. This is the other game that I think is close. Is technically speaking, four to five seed, it would be an upset if the Chargers win. I don't think it's going to happen. I have the Jags winning this game. Wow. Um, it is definitely an interesting one. I know I kind of prefaced that I was going to pick the Chargers, but I'm not going to. Um. The Chargers defense has struggled all year and not for a talent reason. I think it's more of a coaching thing and also a health issue that uh, both had missed some time in the middle of the year. They weren't healthy really all the way through the stretch. Um, I think this is probably the most – one of the more favorable matchups for the Chargers to kind of run into because the Jags are a lot alike. They have a super talented quarterback and offense that can really move the ball up and down the field. And both defenses haven't been spectacular all year. But the Jags' defense, as of late, has been fantastic, right? I mean, we saw them win the game for them last week at the Josh Allen scooping score by Rayshon Jenkins. And then uh, I remember the Cowboys game as well. It goes to OT, Rayshon Jenkins, pick six in overtime to end it. So this defense has played really, really well as of late. And I think the Jar- uh, the, the Jaguars are going to be able to do enough to get it done here. Yeah, I think the Chargers are playing for their lives. Like, I think Brandon Staley knows his job's at Jeopardy unless he wins this game. So, at Jeopardy, yeah. I think uh, I think he's going to pull all the tricks out of the bag, and they're going to treat it like it's their Super Bowl and and unload every every bullet they have in the chamber, so to speak. So, I've got the Chargers winning this. I really like Jacksonville. I think it'll be good for them to get some playoff experience. Ultimately, I think this team's a little young to come out and win their first playoff game. Um, Next year, I think that team's a real threat. But I think for this year, I think the Chargers um, come out, sneak a victory. You know, I think it's going to be close. But the way Jacksonville finished the season just didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. And they needed a miracle to beat Tennessee. And I think the Chargers are a better team than Tennessee. So um, that's a fair. That's a fair point. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Chargers here. Um, so yeah, we'll move on to the divisional round here. Um, we both have Bills versus Bengals as as that game. Who you got coming out on top? 
We didn't talk about the Bills Dolphins game at all yet. Oh, think. Whoa. Hey, 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 hey. Easy there, guy. Hey, Sorry. Listen, if there was ever a game to skate by, I do think it's this game. I do think this game is pretty lopsided, especially without Tua playing. Yeah. Obviously, I think we both have the Bills winning this game. Yeah. It's 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 not gonna be pretty with Skylar Thompson a quarterback for the Dolphins at all. Yeah. Hey, uh, I also have the Bills winning that game. Sorry, I totally totally messed that up there but yeah i don't think it's with skylar thompson being the starter for the dolphins i think it's it's pretty much over um like we said the line's at 13 and a half now um i think bills win that pretty handedly and uh and move forward there so yeah hey now that we've talked about that game let's jump into the bills next game <laughs> yeah. uh bills versus Bengals here who do you got coming out on top on this game um bills Bengals here this is this is a. Uh... There's some real juggernaut showdowns that that are going to happen here um, in this AFC bracket, and I think this is going to be one of them. I have the Bengals coming out on top of the Bills in this game. Um, Again, I absolutely despise the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I'm at a point where I hate the Cincinnati Bengals more than I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is a very, very out there thing to say for a Ravens fan. But this team and how cocky they've been is the reason that I absolutely cannot stand them but there is also a reason they're so cocky. It's because they're this good. I have them beating the Buffalo Bills. Um, Josh Allen's had a good year, and I know the only thing, like, I don't want to turn this into, you know, a, a thing, but obviously the Bills are going to be playing some inspired football uh, for DeMar Hamlin. Obviously he is at a home and resting up, and I'm sure he'll probably be on the sideline for that game if he's allowed to be. Um, but, I mean, we do have two, three weeks before this division game happens. Um, they're going to be playing some inspired football, but the thing that separates in this game, Joe Burrow has played a great year. The Bengals overall have played a great year. And I think what it really comes down to is Josh Allen is obviously still a top three, top five quarterback in this game, but has struggled more than we have seen in the past without Brian Dable. He threw five red zone picks this year. He's, I think, in the top five for interceptions throughout the regular season this year as well. So the turnovers are where the issue lies with the bills to me. And this is playoff football. Every possession counts. And especially when you have a high powered offense, like the Cincinnati Bengals on the other side, you give them one extra possession, let alone two, you're going to be very, very hard pressed to win that game at that point. And I think the turnover battle is going to swing to Cincinnati's favor. I have them making the AFC title game two years in a row. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting game. Um, the biggest thing that scares me is how banged up Cincinnati's offensive line is. Um, I also had Cincinnati winning this game. I think they were able to win games last year. They were able to beat the Chiefs last year with a banged up uh, the offensive line. I, I think they get over the Bills. I think it's a really stinking close game, though. I think this might be the game of the playoffs besides the Super Bowl that we talk about. Um just because of how close of a game it is. And I look at it and I go, which team has more firepower? And I think if it comes down to the fact that the Bengals have Jamar Chase, they have T Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, they have Joe Mixon, they have all of these options that they can go to. And the bills just aren't quite to that level. You know, Diggs is a big weapon, but the rest of their offense kind of leaves, you know, you, you, you wishing something, you wish they had a two option. Um, so I, I also have Cincinnati coming out on top of this game. I think it's a really, really good game. I think this is one of those games might be an overtime game or come down to the final couple possessions. Um, 
Next game we got is I have Chiefs Chargers. You have Chiefs Jags. Who you got coming out on top of that game? Uh, I had Chiefs winning this game. Like I said, like you said, it's very important for the Jags to get here and get some extra, some early playoff experience, right? They weren't expected to make the playoffs. I mean, some people did predict it. I'd call those people geniuses. Um, but they, them making it here and playing against the Chargers in the first round is experience enough. I think that beating the Chargers, you get to Kansas City. I think Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and all these guys are smart enough to look in the mirror, you know, walk out of the tunnel in Kansas City, look to see a red around them, see number 15 and red on the other side, and say, take this in. This is the experience we came for, right? We know that if we want to make the Super Bowl and really make some waves and try to win uh, a title in the AFC, this is where the road's going to lead. We've got to be comfortable in this building. I know it's loud. I know that Andy Reid's on the sideline. I know they got Patrick Mahomes, and there's a sea full of talent on this Chiefs team, but this is kind of where the road's probably going to go. Like if you're going to win a Super Bowl out of the AFC, you're probably going to have to go into Buffalo or into Kansas City, and you're going to have to win a football game in one of those two, if not both of those places. So the Jags are coming here for experience, but they're going to get plenty of lessons, and it's going to be of the losing variety. I have the Chiefs making the Super Bowl um, in this AFC title game. Yeah. Um. I, I think this game is going to be pretty interesting, but yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I don't think it's as close as Bills Bengals, but yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to are going to hand them, hand them kind of you know show that there is a difference, right? Like Justin Herbert's ultra, ultra talented quarterback, but this offense that Kansas City's put together and the way that they've been humming, man, it's it's going they're a juggernaut. They're really going to be really really tough to take down this postseason. Um, yeah. That gives us, again, we end up lining up in the conference championship here. Bengals, Chiefs, who you got? Uh, I kind of gave away my pick a little bit in the last one. I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, obviously, these teams, two teams matched up last year in the AFC title game. The Bengals were able to come out victorious in that game. I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes multiple. He is obviously in much less time. Um, has kind of earned that Tom Brady-esque respect where, like, I'm not going to bet against him. Like, unless it is a two-touchdown lead with less than 15 seconds, I'm not betting on him to lose the game. Uh, anything is possible when you have number 15 in red. And uh, I think the Chiefs just are just too good. Like, Cincinnati is extremely good. But I'm looking at uh, Steve Spagnoli in this defense, and I'm like, listen, man, if you can hold them to 21-28, listen, we can feel confident to win a shootout, but if you can make this game a non-shootout, I feel very, very confident the Chiefs can win this game. And I do think that Kansas City just has as much, and you could probably look across the way and say that Cincinnati is too much firepower. The issue is, is that Cincinnati doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. I, Joe Burrow is great. Joe Burrow is good. And he's a franchise quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's nowhere near close. Yeah, I think, and I, I'm in agreement with you. I have the Chiefs winning. I think the Bengals' offensive line catches up with them in a game like this, where you're going to have to have so much success, or your defense is going to have to play. I, I think their defense last year against the Chiefs played so amazing, and I don't want to bank on that again, right? Like, if I'm going to bank on success, it's going to be the Chiefs coming out and and being ready to play this time. They know what to expect against Cincinnati because Cincinnati's beaten them the last two times that they played. And it's really hard to beat them a third time in a row. It really is going to be tough against that Chiefs team. So I also have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. Um, look at that. Mirror, match, mirror matchup in the in the Super Bowl, too. Who, who do you have taking home the Lombardi Trophy this year? 
Um, this is a rematch of of years past. It and, is. Uh, Jimmy G played this game very very closely, and there are you can. I don't think it's a crazy thing to sit here and say that Brock Purdy can do some things on a football field. Jimmy G cannot. Um, and it might be a short list. It may be a long list. Whatever it is, I don't think. And the list of what can Purdy do that Jimmy G can't. I don't think that beating Patrick Mahomes at a Super Bowl is on that list, in my opinion. I, I just, yes, this is the number one defense. I get it. And and my my playoff predictions are going to be very, very similar for, for a majority of the next 10 to 15 years, I'd say. Um, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, man, it's so hard to bet against them because when it's a close game, when it's a shootout, when they're down 10, when they're up 10, this guy just gets the job done. It's so hard to look at how talented Patrick Mahomes is and bet against him. And I think this game turns into a shootout. Um, I think the the 49ers, they're really, to me, they're, I wouldn't say their only chance. Their best chance at this is doing what Tampa Bay did two years ago and just making Patrick Mahomes run for his life. Now, I do think the offensive line is not as banged up, and it is a little bit better than it was that year against Tampa Bay. But I do think the pass rush for the the 49ers is a little bit better this year as well. But I do think this game is going to be close. And when it's a close game, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like this is, again, kind of unpredicted. But um, I have the Chiefs winning it all. Uh, I think this is a year where they've come out and proved, hey, without Tyreek Hill, we're still a really good team. And the way this team played throughout this season last year, they kind of struggled and they had hiccups midway through the season this year. They've just been hot and, and on it all year. And I mean, they're, they're lacking a little bit on the defensive side, but it's still a really good team. And I just don't see a way that Patrick Mahomes doesn't outshine Brock Purdy. And I think the magic will run off a little bit, right? Like, the Chiefs are a team that you can't just not lose to, if that makes any sense. And that's what I think Brock Purdy is going to be is, you know, his defense is going to put him in situations where he has to play okay and they'll win a lot of games. And I think against the Chiefs, it just might not be enough that to get over that hump, right? Like he's going to have to go out there and make some throws. And I think he might make some mistakes. And that's ultimately what's going to put the Chiefs over the top. Yeah. When I, when I see the prediction, along the NFC, when I see the 49ers road to the Super Bowl, right? They beat the Seahawks. I think it's a, a pretty handed game. Purdy's comfortable. They could do what they want. I think his first start uh, of his career was against Seattle on the road. He went into the into Seattle against the 12s and was able to pull out a win there. Obviously, that game would be at home. I think it's a good game for him. You know, you get to the Cowboys. It's going to be a little bit closer, right? The Cowboys offense can kind of do what they want to do. Um, I don't think he makes any mistakes, and he's able to win uh, – not a super close game, but, you know, a tightly contested one down to the fourth against the Cowboys. You get to the Eagles, right? You're going to have to play some of your best football. This team's been hot all year. Maybe it makes a mistake or two. They kind of scrape by. It's a close game. They beat out the Eagles. You get to the Super Bowl. We kind of see the progression, right? He has a really comfortable game, a little bit closer, but still good. He makes a mistake, and they're able to survive the Eagles. They can't survive the Chiefs, right? I think yeah. that's kind of – we stair-step it down, and you kind of see the – more cracks in the armor. Each game, a team is going to kind of open up a gap in the armor, and I think Kansas City's finally the one that sticks the sword through and gets the job done. I agree. I, I think it's going to be. I think. I think you nailed that. I think it's going to be. He he's able to ride the talent of the team for so long, and then you're going to get matched up against a team with more talent, and and it's ultimately just not going to be enough. So, um, 
Yeah. Wow. Crazy how that worked out. We're going to jump into our yeah. bets of the week now. Um, if you or anyone you know is having issues with a gambling addiction, contact the Problem Gambling Helpline at 800-522-4700. Professionals are available 24 hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler or their concerned others. Uh, rough week for both of us last week. Um, I went 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Steelers minus two and a half against the Browns hit. We both had the Jags Titans over 38 and a half. That unfortunately did not hit. I had the Lions plus four and a half against the Packers. That hit. The over on the Raiders game did not hit. I had it at over 52 and a half. Um, Unfortunate that that one didn't end up working out because, uh, yeah, uh, Jared Stidham just decided he didn't didn't want to play good football anymore, and I was really really hoping he would. So through through three touchdowns against the Niners, couldn't do it against the Chiefs. Though. Chiefs, yeah, worst defense for some reason. But you know that's my life. So how'd you do last week? Uh, I had a really really well for week uh, one and three last week for me. Obviously, like you said, we both took Jags Tennessee over thirty and a half. I think that ended at six uh, at thirty six. I believe I had Dallas minus four and a half to Washington. They played a Horrible game um, against the Commanders. Obviously, that didn't hit. Uh, the Giants plus 14 versus Philadelphia, which didn't look like it was going to be a good bet in the first. And they ended up coming around to give me my only win last week. And then the Rams Seahawks had over 41 and a half. A very low scoring week of football. We both took two overs. We both did not cash on either of them. So uh, a rough week for both of us here at four and four now on the new format. I'm three and five. So I've got some work to do this week yeah. to get back in the green. Um. I'm going to run through my picks here and then you can run through yours. I've got bills minus 13 and a half versus the dolphins. It was 10 and a half and I was going to eat those points. I hate eating that many points, but I think I don't know if Tua is worth the extra three points. If we're being honest with you, if you bet it early in the week, good on you. But um, I think, I think the bills just come out and crush them this game. I think Skylar Thompson, you know, going from playing Kansas state football last year to starting a playoff game is pretty, is a pretty big jump. And I don't know how ready he is for that moment. Um, I like the giants plus three against the Vikings. We both picked the giants to upset the Vikings. If you're going to give me points on top of it on a team that I think will just win the game, I'm always going to take that. Um, 40, 49ers versus Seahawks over 42 and a half. I like the over in this. I don't know why necessarily. My brain says that's a game where the under is probably going to hit, but I think there might be some points put up. I think this game might be a little bit more high scoring than people think. I think it, it ends up being, you know, a 24 21 type of game, and the over ends up hitting on that one. Um, Giants Vikings under 48 and a half. I think this goes the other way of this game is a little bit lower scoring than people think. But I think the Giants just are still able to play smouth, mouth, smash mouth football and beat up on the Vikings. Yeah, um, not bad picks at all. Um, I have Baltimore and Cincinnati under 42 and a half. Now, again, the the easy breakage here. Lamar doesn't play. Uh, the, the corners don't play for Baltimore. And since he just goes and hangs 40 on us uh, by themselves. But uh, fresh off a of Roquan Smith extension, he's played great football this year. I don't see... Cincinnati coming in and just being able to hang up a ton of points and um, Lamar Jackson or not. I mean, like I said, when this team played early on in the year with Lamar Jackson, the game was 1916. It was a very close game. I bet the under AFC North unders are usually very safe. They're usually very close scoring games unless this 
Cincinnati can come in and dog stomp someone, and I don't think they're going to do that in this game. So I do have the under at 42 and a half. Um, same as you with your Giants plus three versus Vikings. I have Jacksonville plus two and a half versus the Chargers. Uh, each of us picking an upset on each side of the bracket. So I'm riding with the Jags this weekend at home against the Chargers. Um, I have Tampa Bay and Dallas under 45 and a half. Uh, usually you kind of think the offenses are going to start to get rolling once we come postseason time, but I think um, I, I think Tampa Bay and Dallas is going to be an ugly slugfest is what I think. I think it's going to be a lot of like a lot of 70-yard drives that end in red zone picks for both teams. Uh, I, I, I just see a very – 21-14, 21-17 kind of game coming from Tampa Bay and Dallas. Um, 41 and a half is, is a little high for me for that game just because, again, if Dallas can get up and down the field, and yes, Tampa Bay's defense has struggled, but talent-wise, I could see Tampa coming out and, and playing a very, very, you know, a well-played game. They held Dallas to three points when they played in week one. So uh, I like the under in that game, and I have San Francisco minus nine and a half versus Seattle again. I'm not a fan of taking anything over minus six and a half, to be honest with you. This is the NFL. This isn't college football. You're not seeing yeah. super crazy blowouts a lot of the times, but Seattle's had a great year. It came down to a last week clinching scenario. The Lions had to beat the Packers. They had to win the game for them to get here. The Niners have played great football all year, and I think their defense is just going to be able to go out and kind of win this bet by themselves. I think they hold Seattle to 7 to 14 points. Rock Purdy's going to do what he does, go out and score 21-28, and I think that it'll be enough to cover the spread. Yeah, no, I like I like our picks. We'll see how we turn out. Um, I'm excited. Obviously, we won't have four picks every week going forward. Uh, next week will be, be the impossible. last week. Yeah, it'll be impossible, literally. But uh, yeah, we're excited to keep uh, keep talking football coming up. Excited for the playoffs this weekend, and uh, yeah, anything else you want to tell the people before we get out of here? No, uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Owen underscore Burke for myself on Twitter at Pissworm Takes for Twitter for Tim on Twitter. Um, if you guys have any fan questions, like you saw Kellen's today, it's it's not hard to to break onto the show and get a fan question in. DM us on Twitter if you have us on Snapchat. Um, Whatever text us, obviously, like if you guys have our phone number, feel free to contact, reach out, whatever whatever it is. I think you can also contact us on Anchor. If you can find us on there, Red Zone Talk on Anchor, you can send us a message through there. So feel free to reach out. We'll get your fan questions on. Um, we'll be talking football for the rest of the year. So, I mean, obviously we'll have a, probably have a break some point in the offseason. But other than that, we're, we're like NFL Live. We're like Red Zone. All right, We have football all the time. Every time. Every like time. We're, we're here. We live, breathe, die this sport, and we plan to keep on talking like it. So um, that's going to do it for episode three. Uh, we will see you guys next week for episode four. Uh, thanks for sticking with us if you made it this long. We greatly, greatly appreciate it if you made it all the way to that hour and a half mark. Uh, don't know what we'd do without you. So definitely if you guys have made it this long, man, get a fan question on there, right? Like you, if you're going to listen for an hour and a half, you deserve to have, you know, five minutes of – of getting your question answered. So make sure you guys reach out to us. We always love the support and keep on listening. If you guys share the show, we do greatly appreciate that as well. So that's going to do it for episode three. We'll see you guys next week for episode four until then stay safe, stay healthy. and We'll see you then.